send your voice notes to Metro FM Talk 079-191-4270. Nineteen minutes it is before eight p.m. We go straight into our headline segment, and uh, tonight we uh, take a look at uh, what came out of the Department of Employment and Labour and uh, government introducing a new employment quotas uh, for foreign workers in specific sectors. And today, Employment and Labour Minister Minister Tulas Nglesi introducing the National Labour Migration Policy and the Employment Services Amendment Bill for public comment. And uh, yeah, we talk uh, through, I guess, uh, what is contained in this amendment bill and uh, in this national labor migration policy uh, that informs the amendments uh, so proposed under that bill. And I'm joined on the line to talk through this by the Deputy Director General uh, for Public Employment Services at the Department of Employment and Labor, and that is Sam Morotoba. DDG, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening to Metro listeners and thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, this evening. DDG, just for the purposes of our listeners, um, if you could maybe just give us some background, uh, I guess, to to the policy development process, in particular for this policy, uh, which um, I guess comes in the form of these amendments to the Employment Services Act. Um, Talk to me, I guess, about the process that gave rise to this and uh, the rationale for some of these amendments, which effectively will introduce quotas on the total number of documented foreign nationals that can work in particular sectors. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, briefly, I think the policy is something that was agreed to at the SADC level for all the member states to develop such policies so that we can have harmonization and uh, ensure that there is some level of understanding and coordination in the movement of labor between our different countries. And we were supposed to have completed this process by 2019. Uh, We, as South Africa, have also been in an unfortunate situation in that in Africa, we currently, we we, we are the country that hosts the highest number of of, uh, registered or regular migrants at more than 2.9 million. And if you bring in the number of undocumented uh, uh, migrants. Uh, The UN DSA, which is the United Nations Development Agency, estimate this number to be almost double or uh, 4% of the population. And uh, States FA confirms this number to be also somewhere around 4 million. We'll see the outcomes of the current census and the other countries like Kodava, Uganda, uh, Sudan, Nigeria, Ethiopia, and Kenya also mm. are just above a, a million. And, and, and I think if this is not addressed, uh, the man- management of uh, this migration is not adequately addressed, and we don't have uh, clear data to look at the trends. Uh, we likely to have a situation where the 
efforts that we are putting in terms of uh, job creation are likely to be nil because the more jobs we create, the likelihood of attracting more foreign nationals is also going to rise given our uh, porous borders and, and so on. And that is why we came up with this policy to, amongst others, uh, try to regulate, but but also to make sure that we tighten the process of, uh, um, you know, employment in terms of, of, of um, those skills and critical skills that we need, mm. and, and to comply with international obligations because migrants, uh, in accordance with treaties, mm. have the right to be treated like South Africans and should yeah. be afforded all the benefits and same standards as South Africans. TDG, yeah. what, what legislative gaps, I guess, would, would um, this amendment be trying to fill? Uh, I mean, an earlier comment we received from one of our guests was that, you know, already, I guess, the Employment Equity Act creates some provision uh, for certain, you know, demographic categories. So, so why or, or what would this amendment bring that is different? to some of the existing laws in place. I mean, similarly, I think the critical skills list framework and even the uh, Department of Home Affairs would also have their own frameworks that guide who gets a work permit and who doesn't. Um, how different is this amendment process to some of the, that existing legislation or pieces of regulation? Yeah, if you look at all the labor legislation that we have, um, the only labor legislation that, deals with the question of migrants or foreign nationals and is linked to the Immigration Act, has been the Employment Services Act. But those provisions were not adequate, for instance, to address a whole range of issues relating to um, uh, aspects such as the scarce and critical skills, the whole question of um, South Africans, uh, because the the, the, the the amendment bill is also touching on the issue of the diaspora and, mm. and assisting South Africans, just like all other countries, to go and work uh, in other neighboring countries and making sure that they get all the necessary protection and they can transfer their emoluments and to also attract those in the diaspora who have gained experiences um, in various fields to also come back to assist in rebuilding the mm. country. So the, 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 those are the gaps that we identified, and, and some of these aspects were managed um, under the current Immigration Act that is being overwrought, and the Department of Home Affairs was of the view that labor should also take responsibility on those matters because while they may be in the Immigration Act, they are labor matters and they believe that they can be adequately managed within the Department of uh, Employment and Labor. Hence the proposed amendment mm. to deal with those gaps. Let's talk about the quotas. So I guess in the proposals that are you know in the policy framework and also the proposed amendments, I mean, how, how will the process of one, determining the quotas, and then, of course, um, administering them and, by extension, enforcement and monitoring ha- happen. Ha- how will all of that happen? Well, there are a number of uh, processes that we looked at, 
and we looked at experiences of the European Union and the current practice, for instance, in FIFA, uh, which regulates the number of foreign nationals uh, that can be uh, uh, signed by any club and mm. can be fielded and at any particular time. Now, there are different views that are currently at play. There's a view that suggests that we should come with one blanket uh, ceiling, uh, and the percentages range from 10%, 5%, etc. And there are views that say, look, engaged quotas and sectors and come with fit for purpose uh, quotas that will be applicable to, to various industries. There are those sectors that require uh, scarce and critical skills that will be matched by the transfer of skills. And uh, obviously, we we'll already have quotas, for instance, on new investment uh, of um, uh, 60-40, that is 40, 60% must be locals and 40% must be a part of the, you know, a, 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 a mother plant or country of origin of the investor. But over time, you need to reduce uh, those, and that that practice is is very common. In so far as the small business and and regulating the number of people that can establish those uh, businesses, uh, we have always emphasize that that's a trade and industry and small business development matter and uh, the licensing, including the regulating of that sector, is something that is in the small business and we are working with colleagues because we understand the um, nature of those sectors and the employment prospects that they can create. But also, um, I, uh, we, we, we are quite aware and we've studied uh, legislation emerging from the neighboring countries that is much more drastic than what we are proposing. Mm. And, and and when you say more drastic than what you're proposing, I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, if you look at uh, the neighboring countries uh, just around the SADC, they have prohibited the employment or even the establishment of businesses by people who are foreign nationals in some of the countries. There are sectors that they do not allow, for instance, um, any foreign national to work in uh, because they believe that those sectors or the skills required can be easily supplied uh, locally. But we, we are being, I think we are being much more considerate we understand the interdependency of the region and South Africa's position in the uh, region and our trade relations. And, and that is why we are saying to the public, let us talk on the kind of numbers of documented uh, migrants that we can uh, allow, especially given the fact that um, our mining sector and our countries, uh, especially in the SADAC, dependent on South African uh, 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 mining and, and other sectors uh, for their well-being. So you cannot just stop or ignore that the past policies, um, rightly or wrongly, did 
um, depend on the neighboring countries mm. for the labor force that we, we, we have uh, drawn. And they've contributed a lot in the building of this country. And hence, they need to make sure that we, we, we are considerate and we, 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 we discuss the kind of um, orders that we should be looking at as a country. Mm. You had said earlier on, I mean, a lot of this is the outcome of existing discussions at a SADAC level and I guess, you know, other bilaterals you might have had with your counterparts in other countries as well. Um, I mean, maybe talk to us about that because I guess there's always the implicit understanding in South Africa that, you know, decisions of this kind would get us on a collision course with some of our counterparts in SADAC and I guess from many of the other sending nations as well. Not necessarily. I mean, the ministers of employment and labor and of home affairs and interior, uh, we meet regularly as the SADAC and the ministers in the same formation, including social development or social affairs, because in other countries, uh, the departments are one, uh, home affairs, interior, labor and social affairs are in the same department. Sure. We, we meet at the African Union level. We also meet at the ILO. So there is a broader understanding because there are treaties and conventions that are um, at the ILO that we all subscribe to. And, and I think it is within the context of those discussions that we, we are entering into this discussion and, and, and trade relations. So people who are working in the field understand precisely what, what we are trying to do. I, I think all the countries do this um, or introduce some of these provisions. They have their sovereignty to protect, but at the same time, uh, we, we also embrace the conventions. We work with the ILO, which is operating in the region. We work with the SADAC uh, 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 structures that are also supporting the entire region. Mm. And we are also making sure that there is synergy in, in what we, we are trying to do in the region and in the broader uh, African Union. DDG, if we come back to the issue of enforcement, um, and I guess you know this is not unique to this uh, national labor uh, migration policy, but there would be many other policies around ensuring labor standards and protections that would uh, require some level of enforcement. Now, now I'm quite interested, I guess, because ma- over many years there's been you know this cry across society that there isn't enough enforcement capability in the Department of Employment and Labor. What is going to be done differently insofar as enforcement is concerned when it comes to, to I guess, the implications of these amendments and the national labor migration policy? I think during the COVID and the recent um, incidences that happened within the trucking industry, mm. um, those kind of uh, incidences have brought to our attention they need to do things differently. And we have been piloting a number of uh, joint uh, uh, operations uh, in the roadblocks in, in, in terms of dealing with the various factories that we believe uh, are hotspot, uh, mm. farming, etc., where the Department of Employment, the Home Affairs Immigration Officers, 
the, uh, the road management the traffic officers, the various municipality traffic officers, the police uh, in the different regions, the army, and, and so on, uh, the, 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 the inspectors within the mines, uh, where we have combined forces um, to, to deal with these issues because uh, if you go alone, you end up uh, experiencing jurisdictional uh, problems. We are also talking to the Department of Justice uh, and the Labor Court so that the prosecution uh, in cases uh, that we uh, refer to them can be speeded up and there is also a deeper understanding of, of, of those kind of cases mm. that we are dealing with because normally uh, transgressors will get uh, very, very light fines and, and that is not a deterrent. So those, and we're looking at MOAs, but also building our capacities, and 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 also um, there are new uh, innovations uh, on inspections that mm-hmm. are being looked at um, internationally that we are, you know, looking at implementing so that um, in the current environment where resources. Uh, are not uh, sufficient. We also employ other methods, but we also depend on the public, the trade unions, uh, to also blow a whistle and alert us to some of these uh, malpractices. And what are the employer bodies saying? Because I guess on the other side of the debate on enforcement would be, you know, the transgressor or would be, I guess, the entity that then complies and there's a major role there for the employers. Um, I mean, have you had any dialogue with the employer bodies um, in the development of this policy or is the expectation that they will make their inputs um, during this public uh, participation process? All labor laws in terms of the NEDLEC Act have to go through NEDLEC and the employers, uh, trade unions and communities will community organizations will be given an opportunity to comment on on this bill. But remember, and members of the public must also acknowledge the fact that we have devolved as the Department of Employment and Labor responsibility of enforcement to business and trade unions, especially in those areas where they've got uh, bargaining cancer. You don't have the Department of Labor inspectors going into those areas because these bargaining councils, amongst the fees that they collect, they also have enforcement responsibilities to make sure that uh, members of their bargaining council comply to the agreements that are signed at that level. So this is a joint thing that we will have to work uh, collectively. We know that there are very good employers out there that understand the, this loss, uh, mm. the you know ILO uh, um, conventions and so on. But equally, there are other employers who are keen on making quick bucks and 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 and, and disregard um, all the existing legislation that are in, in in place. And and those are the ones that we must collectively deal with because they undermine uh, the gains that has been made. Over the years. DDG, uh, talk to me briefly about the participation process for the public. 
Um, I mean, this has now been released for comment. Um, what then happens hereafter? What's the process for members of the public to participate in this process? The policy and the amendment bill are available on the Department of Employment and Labor website, www.labor.gov.za. And we are planning a number of um, engagements uh, in all the provinces, uh, provinces such as the Western Cape, Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, and Gauteng, because of the density of employer organizations, we're planning to have two engagements. There will be national engagements that will be led by the minister. Uh, there will be other ministerial events where we will be meeting with the SADAC um, ministers, uh, the embassies or attaches locally so that we can get them to understand. We also have their policies and we know and legislation um, uh, uh, in terms of what they've done. And we, 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 we are also planning a series of webinars we have created a special website, uh, uh, which is which is using the abbreviation NLMP at labor.gov.za, where members of the public organizations and institutions can submit written comments uh, so that as we finalize the policy, revise it, we can look at their comments or call them in and engage them on certain aspects. Mm. And we have a website where uh, they can uh, forward uh, their inquiries. And we have the provincial offices and labor centers of the department where we'll be capacitating a number of our communications uh, uh, people to talk to local radio stations so that they can deepen people's understanding mm. on what we are proposing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I guess, I mean, just as a last one, um, you know, often people, when we talk about public participation processes of this kind, I mean, especially the written submissions, it, it can intimidate people. Um, and I just want to hear from you whether or not there's a certain expectation around the form in which some of those must be submitted. Um, and I guess, you know, what what sort of uh, a process one would have to follow for that is there reform you know in terms of the public participation process is is there how much time would people have all of those kind of things uh, I, I i guess if it was not the covid environment yes. i'm sure we'll have um, all kind of um, sessions uh, in the traditional sense where like when we did the sectoral determinations or all other legislation where we will uh, invite large number of groups, the imbuzos, and get people's comments. We will do those. Uh, they will be limited, uh, though, in terms of participation mm. because COVID is still with us. Yeah. But we don't have a specific form because people may comment on a specific uh, section of either the bill or the policy, sharing their experiences. And we encourage people to write to us in any manner uh, even in different languages, we do have um, uh, um, uh, people that can assist in the translation so that we, we, we get as much uh, input as we can because in the different regions, 
uh, when we go to those imbizos, we know that um, people speak different languages mm. and they express themselves much more better in their language uh, of, of the region. And, and I think we, we, we encourage people to submit as many uh, comments as they can uh, without doubting the format. No comment is mm. a stupid comment. We'll take it uh, seriously and look at its merit. Okay, DDG, thank you very much for your time.